scores! Gilmore scores! With one three left! Off the glass, and left corner to Aguila. Aguila in the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three bounds, another shot. He scores! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. Okay, happy Thursday. We are underway this hour on Flames Talk, and uh, we got lots to get to on this Thursday, December 14th. We're 11 days from Christmas. Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Hello, Wes. You uh, you had me worried there for a second, buddy. I thought you were going to say Wednesday. I, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's oh, got to no, be at least Thursday. It was close to a Wednesday. Yeah. Said. How are days, you? Days, the days are blending together. They, That's how I am. They're kind of blending. Uh, well, to keep them blending, we've been talking a lot about Dustin Wolf uh, as of late. And for good reason, and and I kind of just wanted to follow up or or expand on a conversation that we had on Wednesday's show. Flamestock is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for being along with us if you are listening live. Thanks for being along with us if you are listening after the fact on this Thursday or whenever you're listening. We're not sure who's starting Thursday night in Minnesota when the Flames take on the Wild to wrap up this three-game road trip, but... With Jacob Markstrom imminently ready to return to Calgary's lineup, there might only be one or two more chances left to see Dustin Wolf on this recall. So we'll see who gets the start against the Wild. Uh, and then Saturday, Monday seems like the pocket you're looking at in terms of when Jacob is ready to return. So maybe another opportunity to see Dustin on Saturday versus Tampa Bay. And we talked on Wednesday's Daily Flames Roundtable about if it's time to make room for Dustin Wolf. If it's time to get him into the lineup and 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 make him a full-time NHLer and thus probably, <laughs> excuse me, either carry three goaltenders, which we don't believe they're going to do, or move one of the other two goaltenders out elsewhere and open up a spot for Dustin Wolf. And you've been on that train for quite some time. You've kind of been of that belief since going back to training camp, you've been on that train. Yeah, and nothing that I've, I've seen, especially on this most recent recall, has changed my mind or, or really done anything except kind of strengthen that stance that I've had, that I do think Dustin Wolf is ready to be a full-time NHLer, and, and I do think it's time for the Calgary Flames to make that a reality. So how do they realistically make that a reality. And so I would imagine many Flames fans are of the same opinion that you're at. And by the way, I'm I'm at that stage as well. It may have taken me a little bit longer to come all the way over to Wes's side of the fence. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm there as well. I believe that it is time to make room for Dustin Wolf. I believe it is time for Wolf to be a full-time NHLer. I don't know what more Wes or Pat or anybody else needs to see uh, because at least in my opinion, I don't know what else I need to see every, everything that I have seen from him in the American league. It's pretty clear that that level is beneath him. And, and I don't think that he believes that, but I believe that level is beneath Dustin Wolf. And, and I think the only level that is truly now going to challenge him and allow him to get better is at the highest level in the NHL. And so 
they still have three goaltenders, and we don't believe they're going to carry three goaltenders on the NHL roster if they don't have to. Obviously, they did when, <laughs> excuse me, got a little tickle in the throat today. Um, th- th- we, we know that they did when Jacob Markstrom was very, you know, dealing with a very minor ailment, but full-time, they're not going to be carrying three goaltenders. So what are the realistic next steps here? What are the realistic next signposts or or timeline or however you want to however you want to look at it because for me it seems pretty obvious that as much as it's not going to make a lot of people happy Dustin back to the Wranglers reassigned to the American Hockey League and then biding his time until a spot opens up it kind of feels like that's what we're talking about and that's what's going to happen here yeah I think that's a no-brainer when Jacob Markstrom is cleared to return to action and you know, knowing Jacob uh, the way we do, I I bet he's targeting Saturday, and I think the team knows by Monday, sort of at the latest, they're going to have their number one goaltender yeah. back as the the Florida Panthers visit the Saddle Dome Monday night. And so, yeah, it, I don't think it's going to come as a surprise to anybody. It's certainly not going to come as a surprise to you and I when Dustin Wolf is returned to the minors, whether that's. Friday, whether that's over the weekend, he's going to be going back there. But this conversation continues to grow louder because in his limited opportunities so far, we've only seen proof that Dustin Wolf is ready to be an NHL. Yeah. And I thought actually the strongest proof we've seen, and yes, I watched the game. I know he gave up five goals. I thought the most clear sign that we've seen yet that Dustin Wolf needs to be in the National Hockey League, came Tuesday in Las Vegas. How come? I just thought the poise and the rebound control and the emotional control that he showed against the defending champions in what I consider to be the toughest road rink in the NHL, behind a dog-tired team on the second half of a difficult back-to-back, I just thought, for a lot of reasons, that should have been a 7-1 loss. And Dustin Wolf is the reason that they were still in it through the first period when I thought they were mostly under barrage. He gave them a chance to win that game. I I know he gave up two in the third period, but I don't pin what we saw the other night on Dustin Wolf. I thought it was a really impressive performance for him. Yeah, I've liked him too. Honestly, I think the Flames know what they need to do as well too. I think the Flames realize now that they had some... they, They... had some time. They had the luxury of of time and patience earlier, but I think they know what they need to do. I think that they realize that they've got a guy who belongs in the NHL. That it's probably it's probably time to get him there. And and you don't want to rush a bad trade, and you don't want to rush into something when it's clear you're not going to get good value. But where I disagreed with you in September, I kind of agree with you now. And that is your, your point in September. And tell me if I'm wrong, but to paraphrase you in September, you're like, do you make a trade where maybe you don't hit a home run to move out a, a Dan Vladar? Right. If it means getting Wolf in, and that's kind of the benefit. And do it now and be okay with maybe not getting the greatest of returns as opposed to waiting and letting this thing drag on. That's kind of, I think there is a balance or a threshold there, but I I think that's the pocket that they're working in right now. Tell me if you've heard something like this before. Okay. You've just traded a regular on your roster for what many consider to be an underwhelming return. And 
your rationale for doing it more than anything is twofold. We want salary cap space and we want to open up a spot for a younger player. Mm-hmm. Heard anything like that recently? Uh, I believe there are some who believe that the Nikita Zadorov return was underwhelming uh, when they opened up salary space and opened up a spot for a young player on the roster. And so even if the return, from my vantage point, for Dan Vladar is what some consider to be underwhelming, I think the same the same motivation can apply here for the, for the Calgary Flames. And, and with all due respect to Ilya Solovyov, the young man who got the opportunity after Nikita Zadorov was traded to the Vancouver Canucks, Dustin Wolf isn't just a prospect. Dustin Wolf is your best prospect. And I think it's time with what he's shown for two years in the American League, two plus years, I suppose now, with what he has shown in limited opportunities at the NHL level, I just really think it's time to clear the spot for him. Mm -hmm. And if that means trading Dan Vladar for less than you would have, less than you maybe perceive his value to be, because that opens up another two point, I guess it wouldn't be two point, once you add Dustin Wolf's salary, but that gives you another one point whatever in salary cap space. Right. That gives you runway to show faith in your best prospect at any position. I, I just believe it's time to do that. And it's nothing against Dan Vladar, who I still believe could have a future as a number one goalie in the NHL. I, I'm not sure that I see him developing to that, but I don't I wouldn't rule it out. And so it's not it's not against Dan Vladar, but this is your best prospect. It's time to make a spot for him. Yep. So I wonder now if that, I, I, like, I, I wonder after this recall and what they've seen from him, I just wonder if there is maybe a little bit more of a, an urgency to get something done. And maybe something that they thought was going to be a next summer problem. Problem is the wrong word. A next summer, a next summer project right. now becomes, okay, Let's let's try and get this done in season because, and, and we're going to transition the conversation to Jacob Markstrom in a little bit. But part of like one of the ways you can go younger on this team, one of the ways that you can start moving in a different direction is by having Wolf, your twenty-two year old potential top prospect in the organization. If if he's not the top prospect, he's one of the two or three top prospects. I think if I were to rank him, I'd go, he's my top prospect at this point. And, and so for me, that there, right there, there's another way for you to go younger. There's another way for you to pivot. There's another way for you to start looking towards the future. And from what we've seen from Wolf to this point, he's given them an opportunity to win too. So it's not as if you're also sacrificing your competitive level if you do end up replacing Vladar with Wolf and you move Vladar elsewhere and and now Wolf and Markstrom is your tandem. I, I don't think that you're sacrificing your competitiveness level either. You're but but what you are doing is continuing this transition to a younger group that Craig Conroy's talked about since taking over in May. Because when Dustin Wolf is in the lineup rather than Dan Vladar, do you expect a different outcome? Like, do you think the team is worse off with Dustin Wolf? I don't. Absolutely no. not. No. He I, he's already on the level that Dan Vladar is at, yeah. or potentially, and and I'm going to need to see some runway for him to prove this, but he's potentially on a different level than Dan Vladar is, and it's time to let him show it. You know, I think there's going to be people listening on their drive home today or, or people listening on the podcast saying, you guys are talking about the same thing. And 
I think this conversation actually has a chance to change a little bit today because I'm I'm really fascinated by what we see tonight in Minnesota, just in terms of who leads the team onto the mm-hmm. ice in two hours and 15 minutes at XL Energy Center. I think that Dustin Wolf showed enough Tuesday in Las Vegas that he should be the starting goalie for tonight against the Wild. Based I'm with on, you, by the way. If I'm making a call, I'm going right back to Dustin as well. Although, based on what we heard from Ryan Huska and his less than enthusiastic assessment of Dustin's play against the Golden Knights, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if it's Stan Vladar. Yep. Now, where I think this changes the conversation is I think this might be the first time in Dustin Wolf's very short career that whatever happens in the next handful of hours... You could hear people saying either A, De- why did they go with Dan Vladar? Dustin Wolf earned that start. Why isn't he starting? And we haven't had that conversation yet. We haven't had a, hang on a second, didn't Dustin Wolf earn this start? Why isn't he in there? So if Dan Vladar starts, I think we're having that conversation. And if Dustin Wolf starts, the conversation then becomes, hang on, has this changed your depth chart as your backup? Now you've gone to Dustin Wolf in what will have been four of the last five. Yep. Well, suddenly have the two and three spots on your all healthy goaltending depth chart changed? Because that's the other conversation we could be having in a few hours when we find out who's in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I just, if we're targeting say a Monday return for Jacob Markstrom, I'd like to at the very least see Wolf one more time. And so if it's not Thursday night in Minnesota, than Saturday against Tampa Bay. I just think that you have an opportunity with him up for the time being to not only placate him and not only you know get him feeling better about the direction things are going for his future and, and them making good on their word and their promise that they're going to get him NHL games when they can, but also so they can just get an even larger book on what he is. Yeah. And so whether it's Ryan Huska or Jason LaBarbera or Jordan, Jordan Sigalette or Craig Conroy or whoever we're talking about, they can be that much more confident that the NHL is the place for Wolf to be. So I think the more you can get him into NHL games when you have the opportunity like you do right now, the better gets him feeling better as he inevitably goes back to the American League, gives you a little bit of a larger book, and it gives you a little bit more confidence to dive in on the trade market. And here's the thing. I know there's a lot of people talking about, well, trade Markstrom to make room for Dustin Wolf. I don't think that's feasible in season. I would be stunned if we saw Jacob Markstrom trade in season. Uh, crazier things have happened. We've seen goaltenders move in season before, but goalies like Markstrom and that caliber, that salary rarely happens. Yeah. That's one that probably has to be forced by something forced by perhaps an injury to a, a starting goalie on a contending team that doesn't like their other options or, or forced by a contending team that, you know, gives their goaltending a while to work itself out and then kind of puts their hands up and says, we're, you know, we're going to lose a year off our window if we don't go get a goalie. So it is possible if Jacob Markstrom continues at the level he's played at so far this season that someone comes calling, but I'm with you because of, listen, we we talked uh, on the Nikita Zadorov trade. That was a guy making correct me if I'm wrong, 3.75 million. Yes. Right. And Craig Conroy essentially told us 
every other team except Vancouver needed us to keep money to get that deal done, right? That that just tells you no other team in the NHL thought they could fit more than $2 million on their salary cap. Well, Jacob Markstrom is making five and a half. Six. Six, sorry. Six. Get the numbers mixed up sometimes. There's a lot of teams not fitting that, yep. right? And and as much as I think Jacob Marster might pique the interest of a couple contending teams, that's just a really, as you said, that's a really difficult deal to do. Whereas I do think you can move a Vladar in season. And so if you're going to in the, like when I say immediately, I mean in the next two to three months before the trade deadline, if you're going to this season open up a spot for Dustin Wolf on the NHL roster. It's it's in le- at least in my eyes it's going to be via injury which you don't want or it's going to be with a Dan Vladar trade to a team that's looking for a little goaltending depth. And I know you could point to a lot of different teams and say well they could take Markstrom, they could take Markstrom. I just think if you're going to have the Markstrom conversation which we're about to have, uh that's an off-season type of conversation most likely anyway. I mean again you never, there's never, and I'll, I'll be the first to say, no, I was wrong if it happens. I just, based on the history, based on everybody's cap situation, based on a lot of other things, based on Jacob having a full no-move clause, it just feels less of a feasible thing to happen between now and the March 8th trade deadline. Let me, let me throw a total curveball at you. It's not really a curveball, but I just want to hear your opinion on this. If the Calgary Flames lost Dan Vladar on waivers, and that opened up his $2.2 million in salary, about a million of which, not quite, 800000 goes to create space for Dustin Wolf. But that, that opens up then roughly $1.4 million in cap space. And we keep talking about how teams can potentially wep- weaponize cap space, mm-hmm. how, how that can be one of your greatest assets. If the Calgary Flames lost Dan Vladar for nothing on waivers, would there be outrage? I think there would be I think there'd be people saying that you could have gotten an asset for him. And I, I believe that is a last resort is going down the waiver road because I do think you can get something for him. Um, and I know the numbers aren't super strong this year and they haven't been super strong since his first year in Calgary, but I do I do still think he's the type of player that you can get a pick for. Whether you can recoup the third round pick that you paid to get him, I don't know. But I do think you can get a pick for Dan Vladar. Let's say whatever happens over the next couple of games, we get to Jacob Markstrom coming back, and you believe Dustin Wolf has outplayed Dan Vladar during that stretch. Could you try to send Dan down? You could have the conversation about it anyway. I don't know. I don't know if... And I'm not trying to rock the boat here. I, I just think it's really easy to keep punting on this decision because you can send Dustin Wolf down to the minors yes. because he doesn't need to clear waivers. And I, I'm sure you can sit in, in the hockey ops office and, and this makes perfect sense and say, well, you know, he doesn't need waivers. We don't have a ton of depth beyond Dustin in the sense of, okay, well, if we were just down to Jacob and Dustin and someone got hurt, then, right, there's there's all sorts of reasons to just push this conversation downfield, right? And then hope someone phones you with a better offer for Dan Vladar. But at what point do you just need to create the space for a young man who has proven he needs to be in the NHL? Can you wait till the deadline? Like, if that is that is that the... Because I, I think now that is the latest. It yeah. used to be... It used to be next summer. 
Now, for me, I think the trade deadline is, okay, that's the latest you could possibly wait. I, I just worry about what message you're sending Dustin Wolf as you hope to get a fourth rounder instead of a fifth for Dan Vladar or a third rounder instead of a fourth for Dan Vladar. Like, I think that's what we're talking about as maybe a best case scenario is recouping the third round pick that you initially traded, right? And so at what point, because of what sort of message you're sending to your like, this is your goalie of the future. This is your best prospect. So how long are you going to grind out getting into the hundreds with a draft pick rather than drafting 120th? Yeah. Just, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. at, at what point do you maybe have the priorities wrong there? Yeah, and that's that's kind of where I think, that that's where the conversation I think and, needs to be right now with the Flames is, what is the what is the balance like? Where where do the scales balance out? If it's like on the one side you've got this the the benefit of getting Dustin Wolf into the uh, into the NHL full time, and the other is getting the best trade return that you can for Dan Vladar, and you've ballparked a, a certain return. So where do the scales balance? Where if you t- if you kind of take a little bit off the return, you're still getting the the right balance you want. That that's. That's where I think the conversation needs to be behind closed doors. And it's a fascinating debate, right? Because you and I could sit on a Friday night and empty six beers and not come up with the best solution for this one. Yeah. Right? And I'm, I'm sure in those hockey ops meetings, there's a pretty spirited debate about what the future, the short-term future of their two, three goaltending spots should look like. Yeah. And again, it's it's not a knock on Dan Vladar. <laughs> and, and you you do have some concern that you're watching him as the number one goalie in another city someday. But really, Dan Vladar's future, unless you're moving Jacob Marstrom, in Calgary is limited. Dustin Wolf needs waivers next year. So you can't kick this to the end of Dan Vladar's contract. You have to address this. And I think what I'm saying, or I know what I'm saying, is I think you have to address it now. I really think it has to be sooner than later. Um... We'll read some texts in a little bit, and and maybe we get into this a little bit more tomorrow because the, the wolf side of the conversation has taken up a lot of it. But I also think that, okay, it is good news that Jacob is close to returning. You always want your number one goaltender back, whether, you know, as a team, it's good news that your number one guy's knocking on the door, and whether it's Saturday or Monday, you know, the... It, it, it seems like he is very, very imminently ready for a return. But I really do wonder, what is Jacob's appetite for a younger direction? What is Jacob's appetite? Even if the, even if the, the goal is to only make this a two- or three-year pivot, well, there's only three years or two years left on Jacob's contract. Is that something that he is super interested in being a part of? Or is that a situation where he says, I understand but if there's a way I could, he's 34 years old in January. The guy, the one thing we know about Jacob is he is as competitive and wants to win and is driven by winning by as much as anybody in the NHL. You want to talk about a guy who hates to lose and you want to talk about a guy who hates when his team is losing and probably takes it way too much on himself when it happens. That's Jacob. And yeah. so is, is that a situation he wants to be a part of, which also comes into the long-term goaltending conversation for the Flames as well? It, uh, it's a really interesting wrinkle that you sort of add to it because if we're sitting here in a few months or a couple months, I suppose, and 
Craig Conroy is explaining to us that he's just traded Jacob Markstrom to a contender. He might be saying the reason I didn't trade Dan Vladar in November or December or maybe January is because this iron's been in the fire. Yep. Because you can't trade both of them. And, and you're right. I, I think Jacob will have a, an appetite if approached with the right deal to go to a contender. We, you know, we know he wants to win. He hasn't had a ton of playoff opportunities in his career. Doesn't like the way a couple of them have ended, obviously, against Edmonton two years ago in the second round leaves a really sour taste for him. He was fighting an injury. If you remember in the bubble playoffs when he was still with the Vancouver Canucks. And so he wants another chance. And if this is a flames team that goes into rebuild mode and isn't going to have a chance to win, I don't think it would take a ton of arm twisting to get him to consider a move to the right place, yep. especially, and I'll just add, I, I shouldn't maybe say especially because I, I don't think this is what he's basing his conversation on, but as you add reasons that maybe he would consider it, his best friend on the team is also going to be traded away, most likely within the next few months. In Elias Lindholm, yeah. Buddies for a long, long time. Yep. And and certainly that's not to say that Jacob Markstrom doesn't have a good relationship with the rest of them, the Swedes, the goal, his goalie partner, but throughout the room, he he's revered. Like he, this is a guy with a terrific reputation. It's not like if yeah. Elias Lindholm's there, he's he's out of friends. Yep. But Elias Lindholm is one of the reasons he came to Calgary in the first place. Um, got to get to a couple of texts quickly because uh, this is a, an interesting conversation when talking about the the realistic path to the NHL for Dustin Wolf. So Mike writes, I'm for full-time Wolf, but I'm in the trade Markstrom camp to open up cap space. I think Vladar has starter potential, and I like the idea of a Wolf-Vladar 1A-1B situation in the future. If Lindholm and Tanev are out of here, I don't see a point in keeping an expensive veteran workhorse like Markstrom for this particular franchise going forward. And again, I, I, I think that's actually a fair text. I just don't know if that's something that you can facilitate in season. And if you can, then... I'll be the first to say, whoa, didn't think that was the case. And I think that's a conversation that you, I, I think at some point you do have to have a conversation with Jacob. And I think that we'll, we'll spend a little bit more time on this on Friday show, but I think at some point between now and next season, I sit down with Jacob and saying, what are you comfortable with if we go in direction A, B, or C here? Well, and just because of the... I guess, urgency or, or the perceived urgency with Dustin Wolf's situation. I, I don't think my timeline even meshes up with bef- between now and next season. It's got to be between now and about three weeks before the trade deadline. Yeah, probably. Uh, this reads, I don't disagree. It's time to make room for Wolf. I'd say given how this season is likely to go, Flames are better to wait till closer to the deadline. Teams have a better idea of where they stand, greater potential for a better return. If Flames are sellers by the trade deadline, the remainder of the season after that's a good chance for him and Markstrom to split time and then roll into next year with that tandem. Uh, this says Pat West. It's frustrating the way the Flames have managed their goalie prospects over the years. Hopefully the organization has a clear, sound plan and sees it through, which I do believe they do when it comes to Dustin Wolf. It's just all about us learning exactly what that plan is. I, I'm smiling because that's quite a graveyard, isn't it? Yeah. Goalie prospects over the years. 
We don't have enough time to talk about that. That's another <laughs> That's another show as well. Uh, Pat and Wes underway this hour on Flamestock. Wes Gilbertson from Post Media. And uh, whether you're a fan of sports or a fan of great deals, get yourself over to 403 Local because every time the local hockey heroes hit the ice, you get the game day special of two beers and a pizza for just 20 bucks on Sundays. You can watch the football game with 50-cent wings and happy hour all day. Wings are also on special on Wednesday. Mondays, how about the special Dry Ribs Night, $5 a pound on Mondays. They also have daily happy hour from 3 to 6, lunch specials weekdays from 11.30 until 2.30, and 403 Locals available for private functions. Visit 403 Local in Lake Bonavista and at 403local.com. Anything and everything Calgary Flames, it's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time now for our Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. It's Pat Wes Gilbertson, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Thursday Roundtable. Guys, a lot of things, uh, a lot of things that we can touch on. A lot of things that are being talked about in Flamesland right now. I wanted to. Wes and I touched on this a little bit on Wednesday's show, and, and wanted to go a little bit deeper into into it with into it rather with uh, you, Willsy, as well. You know, Elias Lindholm is not having the season that he would have envisioned. I think that's very safe to say. He's on pace for around 20 goals and around 50 points and is in a contract year as a pending unrestricted free agent. But I wonder, you know, it's been a season where Elias's games where he's been a true impact maker the way the Flames need, want him to be, kind of been far, a few and far between. Um how much do we think the uncertainty of his future and the uncertainty of what comes next is weighing on Elias Lindholm right now? I definitely think it's a factor. I mean, he's a human being. Sometimes we forget that when talking about these professional athletes, but uh, there is a human side uh, to how they're feeling. And I've got to think that uh, it's weighing on him. And the fact that he's not off to a, a great start this season, at least not as far as goals and points go, that's probably not helping matters because there was a pretty lucrative contract offer on the table and uh, the two sides couldn't come together on uh, a deal before the start of the season. And I wonder if Elias is now thinking, should I have taken a little bit less to, to lock myself up long-term to be a member of the Flames? Uh, because the numbers obviously are going to be an important part of uh, his next contract, whether it be here in Calgary or somewhere else. So, yeah, I do think that it's been a factor. I don't think it's the only factor, though, guys. Uh, with all due respect to his line mates, he's no longer centering Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. And his left winger in, in most games of late, Andrew Mangiapane, has really struggled this season as well. And his right winger, uh, Yegor Sharangovich uh, has been the best player on that line, in my opinion. So I do think it goes beyond uh, the contract stuff, but I do think that's part of it. Yeah, I'd agree that the uncertainty is certainly wearing on him or, or weighing on him a little bit. Y you could tell even just going back, I remember standing at, at Country Hills Golf Club for the, the Flames Celebrity Classic Golf Tournament and then, you know, chatting with Elias Lindholm again as, as training camp opened about a week later. Like, you could tell 
there was some frustration already that it wasn't done. And, and so I can imagine that has sort of continued to pile on. I, I also think, you know, I'll, I'll push back on, on something that's sort of been floating around this week that Elias Lindholm is somehow trying to play his way out of Calgary, that he's kind of checked out on this team because I don't think that's fair at all. You know, when I watch Elias Lindholm and I know the offensive numbers, seven goals and 18 points so far are, are certainly underwhelming, but you know, when I watch this guy, he is as committed to how the Calgary Flames are trying to play their new defensive scheme as anybody. Like, he's blocked the second most shots among Flames forwards, something you don't often see for a center. He's a fixture on the penalty kill. Like, I don't, I don't see a guy going through the motions. Not in the right. least. So I do think the uncertainty is wearing on him. I think that he'd like to know what his future holds, whether that's in Calgary or elsewhere. I think he probably acknowledges or or maybe hears from his agent that his struggles this season are are going to have a financial effect. And I know as a proud guy already, he's probably putting a ton of pressure on himself to not only turn it around because of what he means to the team, but to turn it around because of what it's going to mean for his bottom line in the future on his next contract. Yeah. Like that this is a lot to put on anybody. Well, I just Knowing, knowing that Elias is is first of all, I I, I do want to I do want to agree on the the first. I I don't think we're talking about a Lindholm who's checked out. I don't think we're talking about a Lindholm who's like, no, nah, I don't care about this team. I don't care about my teammates. I just get me out of here. And like, this ain't Pierre Luc Dubois in Columbus on the way out the door. Um, I don't think we're gonna see a, a shift like that that spells the end of of Lindholm's time in Calgary. I do. I do not believe that. What I do believe is that Elias is a really private guy who has never enjoyed being in the limelight. As has never really in like doing media is something. I think that he dislikes it more than the average NHL. I don't know if there's a lot of NHLers that can't wait to go talk to Derek, Pat, and Wes. But hang, I, I think, hang on. Okay. Well, maybe De- maybe Derek and Wes. But um, <laughs> I, I just I think that he dislikes it more than even a lot of other guys do and is not comfortable with it. And that's fair. That's not a criticism in any way, shape, or form. Lots of people aren't comfortable with it. And and it's not something that's easy to get comfortable with. And so I just think all of those things, and now he is a, he's got a massive spotlight on him. And I don't think that that's easy to deal with if you are most NHL players or pro athletes. But I think with the way that Elias has got about his business and prefers to go about his business, I think there's a good chance that having that spotlight on him is maybe even that much more distracting. So guys, I, I think it's played a big, big part. If you were to ask me why, and, and I don't think that anybody actually can know this for sure, but my if I were to rank my best guesses as to why Elias is having probably the roughest season he's had since joining the Flames, the number one reason would be all of this uncertainty. And not just the uncertainty, which I think weighs on him, but also the the outside noise and all the conversation and all the spotlight that, that goes into being a high-profile, unrestricted free agent that doesn't have a contract, who now is putting up numbers that and uh, that, that are lower than his regular output uh, and, and is facing a lot of criticism on top of it on a team that is really trying to determine what direction they want to go. I, I think it's a lot that he's got on his shoulders, and, and I think it's weighing on him very heavily right now. 
And uh, I'd be curious to see either if he gets a new contract here or if he is dealt elsewhere. I'd be curious to see what a little bit less weight on the shoulders for Lindholm would show us on the ice. Well, first of all, I agree with you guys wholeheartedly. This is not about Elias Lindholm being checked out at all. He's working his tail off. And it has to be hard because there is the human element of it. And I do think that's weighing on him. It's not like he's a 22-year-old single guy. And if he wakes up tomorrow morning and finds out that he's been traded somewhere, it's a matter of uh, packing a bag and getting on an airplane and going to to join a new team, potentially a Stanley Cup contender. It's way more difficult than that. You've got to worry about your family. So... I think it's weighing on him. Uh, I think the contract and and what it might look like moving forward because his numbers haven't been as good this season uh, has to be in the back of his mind, if if not the front of his mind. And statistically, he's a guy who has scored a lot of goals and produced a lot of points for this team, and they've been harder to come by this season. I think part of that is his line mates. He's not playing with two elite players anymore. I think part of that is the fact that the Flames as a team have struggled mightily on the power play. And quite often, your top guys will build confidence on the PP. And then that kind of carries over to, to even strength play. So there are a lot. I think we uh, need to reconnect with Mr. Wills. Just lost uh, Willsy. We just lost Willsy. We will uh, reconnect with Derek in just a second. Um, and a, you can, can follow up and, and close us out on this topic. Well, it's a really good point about the power play. And and not only that it helps explain some of the statistical drop-off, right? Elias Lindholm has one goal and three points on the power play. <laughs> three points is one off the team lead, by the way, which is absolutely <laughs> jaw-dropping. But it it also helps explain some of the frustration. Like yeah. this is a guy, and and I know we say this about pro athletes all the time, but Elias Lindholm just takes a ton of pride in what he does for a living and what he means to the team. Like he wants to be a go-to guy. Yep. And I can tell you that in addition to any of the individual frustrations, the fact that this power play is not helping the team, in fact, is hurting the team. Elias Lindholm's going to be one of the guys wearing that. Yeah. And uh, last thing that I would mention before we hit the next topic uh, is just, yeah, as, as Wilsey was saying, um, like we are talking about a guy who's like, what, less than a year removed from welcoming a, a child to, the, to yeah. the world with his with his partner, with his wife. And, it was and around so, family day, I think, last year, if I remember that correctly. That sounds right. Yeah. So that, like, that changes your entire outlook on things, and sure. now there's that that goes into it too. So, yeah, I, I, I do think it's it's weighing really heavily on him. It's our Daily Flames Roundtable. We've got Willsie back. So Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, and Pat Steinberg along with you. Um Guys, it feels like Jonathan Huberdeau has regressed a little bit over the last two, three weeks because, I don't know about you, it felt like maybe there was some positive momentum for a few weeks once he was put on that line with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman. felt like in the month of November, things were starting to, you know, it wasn't dramatic. It wasn't like he turned into uh, an elite game-breaking winger, but it felt like you were seeing more and more things that you wanted to see from Jonathan Huberdeau, and it just it, it feels like, looks like, and definitely the statistics flesh out that it has taken a pretty big step back here over the last six, seven, eight games. What uh, what was Jonathan doing well 
when theme things seemed like they were maybe moving in a better direction? What did we see from him when it felt like maybe things were starting to turn around? Well, I think he's still doing some of those things, but the one thing that jumps out to me is that he isn't shooting the puck enough. And part of that would be he probably isn't taking the puck to the net enough and putting himself in a position to shoot it. If you look at what he did prior to this six-game pointless streak, he had eight points in eight games. He also had 21 shots on goal during that stretch. During this six-game pointless streak, three shots on goal. That's not good enough. And teams, I think, cheat pass on him to begin with. So if he's not shooting the puck and doesn't present that threat, then I think it's easier to cheat more on him. So uh, I think he's got to do a better job shooting the puck. And when he does it, getting pucks through to the net. And I think it would be easier for him to do that if he did a little bit better job going to the net. I do think he's playing more physically. He definitely looks engaged in that part of the game. and probably do it a little bit better job getting to the net than he was uh, for most of last season or early this season. But there are some things you can do to put yourself in a better position. And he's been working hard. But uh, I do think that if I had to pick one thing, he's got to shoot the puck more. So uh, that would be it for me. Yeah, I, I definitely think, especially in these these past few games, not only is he not shooting it enough, but I can't think of a ton of obvious opportunities where he's passing up shooting opportunities, which means right. that right, right, he's right. just not often enough in a spot to to let that shot go, right? There have been a couple close calls where he fires mm-hmm. wide, but it, he he not only needs to get more shots on net, he just needs to generate more shooting opportunities. It's so easy for us to sit here and, and say on the radio, Jonathan Huberto, the biggest difference that I see is that he's not playing with as much confidence as he was when he looked like he was starting to turn the corner. The thing is, as one of the Calgary Wranglers put it to me this past week, and I just thought it was such a great way to put it, like you don't get confidence for free. That all is earned by the way you're playing. And so Jonathan Huberto knows he's not playing well, and that's why he lacks confidence. And that's where this whole thing becomes sort of a hamster wheel, I'm sure, for Jonathan, is that yeah, he'd like to play better. Well, yeah, he needs to play with more confidence. When he's confident, he makes some of those passes. When he's confident, yeah. he takes those shots. Well, why is he lacking confidence? Be- because it's just been a really tough stretch. Well, and, and the other thing that I would say is even while he was starting to trend in a better direction, it's not like we were seeing every single night a point or two on the score sheet. He, he definitely had more, and there were a few multi-point games in there, and it felt like, okay, you know, over the stretch of time, over the last four games, he's got four points. Over the last six games, he's got five points. It was a little bit better, but I think for a guy who Wes says is, is lacking confidence the way we clearly know he is, and even when you are playing a little bit better and the points still aren't coming in bushels, I think that plays a part in it too. And you you feel like you play a few games. Willsey, I don't know how many times um, during that, that month of November came away saying, you know, Jonathan played a really good game, but there was not a ton to show for it on the score sheet or not as much as co- you could have seen on the score sheet. I think for a guy who is very much wrestling with the confidence in his game right now, if you don't see those numbers for a guy who's used to putting up certain numbers, I think that plays into it too. And so 
what we were seeing during that stretch. I think we were seeing a guy who was definitely moving his feet a little bit more, who was making more passes and more plays while he was in motion and not trying to do things from a standstill or from a stationary position. I definitely think we've seen that a whole lot more. And that is when we see the giveaways that frustrate a little bit, uh, a lot of people a little bit more. So that would be the one thing that I just have noticed or observed is that he's back to more of that standing still and, and thinking a little bit too much. And it felt like that was starting to improve for two or three weeks there. So I don't know how feasible it is that he gets back there, but that was one of my observations. But when the numbers are what they are, he, he, he sees it. He knows that he's on pace for significantly fewer points this year than he was last year. And we know how disappointing last year was. Um, I, I, that, that has to, that has to have some sort of psychological effect in the whole thing. Well, there's no doubt it does. And we talked about confidence or in Jonathan Huberto's case, a lack of confidence, confident players shoot the puck, unconfident players don't and look for the perfect play instead of taking what's there. So I do think that's been a, a huge component for Jonathan Huberto, not only this season, but last season. And uh, there's only one way to fix that. And that's to start to play the right way and to start to produce. I'm not sure Jonathan Huberto will ever be a 115 point player again, but between November 16th and December 2nd, he had eight points in eight games. If he could get back to being a point a game player, the contract doesn't look so bad, does it? And he becomes a part of what the Flames do moving forward. I don't know where you guys lost me when we were talking about Elias Lindholm, but I really think that the, the Flames' struggles as a team of the power play have impacted him. And I think that that's impacted Jonathan Huberto even more because he's a guy who can certainly uh, be one of the key components in your power play. And with the Flames' power play being near the bottom of the league and guys not getting power play points, yeah. I do think that that, lack of confidence has carried over to how they perform at even strength. So if the Flames could find a way to get their power play going, I think it would help Lindholm. I think it would help Huberto, and obviously it would help this hockey team. Uh, uh, as we've said, it's going to be tough for them to beat the top teams in the league if they don't at least break even in the special teams battle. And you look at what's happened in the last couple of games, playing against two of the top teams in the league, they lose the special teams battle, they lose the hockey game by a goal. So uh, the power plays, it's one area where the Flames are absolutely going to have to be better uh, between now and the end of the regular season than they've been between now and the start of the season. And, hey, Elias Lindholm and Jonathan Huberto, the two guys we've talked about today, are going to have to be a part of that. Thank you, Wilsey. We'll uh, see you in a little bit. Okay, see you soon. He is Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll start to wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. There's a couple of texts uh, on the text line at 960-960. Uh, just kind of about the two topics we touched on there, Lindholm and Huberdo. Um, this says from Mike, who says, the number one reason for Lindholm struggles, trading three of his best wingers that he actually had chemistry with in two consecutive seasons. It's true. Chuck got traded and Gaudreau left one off season and then to Foley the following season. You, you can't, you can't sit here and say that doesn't have an effect either. It, it truly, it truly does. I still think the uncertainty of the future weighing on him plays a very large part as well. 
but you can't discount what Mike's saying because he did for, form chemistry pretty early on last year with Toffoli, and then Toffoli gets traded in the summertime too. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm sure that's something he's thinking about as he ponders where he wants his future to be. It, it would be you know, a little bit more appealing, I'm sure, if there was a guy that he, he felt like he had that PB&J thing going with, purple Gatorade thing going yep. with. Yep. He doesn't right now. He does not. Um, this says, uh, Coleman and Backland are solid and responsible, but not quick, creative, or offensively driven. Huberto won't elevate in this spot. Everyone wants him to shoot more as well, but he's a setup man. He needs finishers, which the Flames lack. That's from Mike in Regina. And yeah, I think that there is a personnel mesh issue too with Huberto because this is not a team blessed with a ton of finishers and maybe they're two best finishers if you ask me it's just not for whatever reason Kadri and Lindholm the chemistry with Huberdo has not been quick it, it, it just or has not been there in the slightest when we have seen them play together for stretches of time do you do you think you could plead with them to try the off wing one more time if it meant playing with Connor Zary or could you put Zary on the off wing He's played the right side before. Yeah, it's a lot to put on a guy 20 games into his NHL career, but he's handled everything else you've thrown at him. Be interesting. That be worth that, a shot. That type of creativity. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it for our Daily Flames Roundtable. That'll wrap us up this hour. Thanks to Cam. Thanks to Taylor, our producers. Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. And the Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024.